Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Hi, this is Tony Tolato. The Shipment is a short film about a father and daughter story set in outer space. Alex Ponovic is a single dad trying to raise his daughter, and he's given a job that will pay for his daughter getting into a prestigious school, but at a moral cost. At the Roxy Hotel at the Tribeca Film Festival, I sat down with director Bobby Bala, producers Arwen Fryer and Ana Carizales, star Alex Ponovic, director of photography Naeem Sutherland, who joined us later, and makeup designer and artist Sarah Elizabeth. Really what appeals to me is you can strip the sci-fi elements away. It's really a movie about a father and his daughter, which is obviously relatable to anybody. And your daughter is in the film. Mm -hmm. So talk about how the story kind of came together when you were putting this film together. Yeah, so my first goal was for my first film is that I just basically wanted to make a film with my daughter. That was really the only thing that I had in my mind. So I didn't have a story or script or anything like that. I just thought that would be kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. And uh, so she was nine or 10 when I started writing the script. So there was a small window of time when otherwise she would be too old. So when we started shooting the film, she was basically right at the, we just got it right under, under, under the wire. Otherwise she would have been, she actually, even during the shoot, she had a little bit of a growth spurt. <laughs> um, so uh, that was my first goal. And then uh, how I thought of the story was I was at a gas station and saw a big rig pull, pull into the gas station and I saw a big trucker get out and he helped his daughter out. And I guess, and I wondered if he was like a single dad. And uh, so I just thought if, uh, well, how would that play out if it happened you know, somewhere else, like in a galaxy far, far away, uh, that whole uh, kind of scenario. So I just thought it would make a good story, and that was the kind of seed from Did she do the paintings, or because the paintings were awesome? Uh, she did a couple of them, but no, we actually had a, an actual professional painter to paint those, and, you know, it had to be done in a kind of a childlike way. It couldn't, couldn't look too professional. Sci-Fi Talk continues, so stay tuned. Alex, I, I mean, you, uh, you're obviously playing a dad. What, what kind of struck you about him when you, when you started playing? It was, it was interesting because when we worked on it, we approached each other and then working with his daughter and, um, and just kind of getting the relationship. I love the idea of uh, uh, a morally and integrity, his integrity is questioned, conflicted man that that is trying to do the right thing through difficult circumstances. And I love the idea of you know where this character would find these little moments, even though he's throughout, um, all, his mission is to always do the right thing and he falls short quite a bit. Um, so I love that, that structure of, um, you know, I get a lot of roles because of my stature, and so a lot of times when I can see the depth in a character, and I know I can, I can investigate it and, and do do some literal critical thinking, um, and finding my own deficits and my own deficiencies, and and kind of putting that into the character, I find that's, you know, and for for me as a performer, it opens up my rib cage, shows my heart, and I and I feel like those are the stories that I want to tell. And when I read this, this was one of those stories. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the original Star Trek, the best story is when Kirk had to make a moral decision. Exactly. And this is obviously, I mean, it goes against really who he is. Right, exactly. But he's 
you know, the, the, the road to hell is, you know, uh, usually based with good intentions, and right. this is what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, he's doing it for his daughter, but he's kind of compromising who he is. Yeah, and, and compromising the relationship that he had with somebody that, that he yeah. loved so much, and that's why there's, you know, the moments that he goes through when he's by himself, and he can't really stay in his own skin, so he has to go to other measures. And so that idea, um, it really struck me, and I thought it was written beautifully, and I thought that the moments were beautifully done, and 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 then shooting it was just uh, like it was one of those things where it was it was about about being a collaboration, and that's another thing that I absolutely love. So it worked. Some of the shots in the spaceship, especially in the openings, even the even musically, kind of reminded me a little bit of two thousand one. Is that obviously an influence? Yeah, thank you. There's nice. a few. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah, no, it was. When I was writing the script, uh, it was funny, we just went to the Guillermo del Toro talk last night and he said he would put headphones on when he would be writing the script or doing the sketches for storyboards and that's that's what I did when I was writing uh, the film is I would watch different films and soundtracks from different movies and and what I would see in my mind. So the, sound, the music really influenced a lot of what was um, seen on there and then I, after writing the script, I created a previs animation of what I was seeing, so that that really helped in a lot of ways, um, just to see if the shots were working, and just to see if the story was working, and just if that mo emotion was coming through. So if you know that it works in previs, you know that it's it's going to work on screen as well too. And I have to say that um, the, the music, the score, is an original score done by Crispin Hands, and and they brought in uh, the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. So we had a live orchestra and a live choir, and and Crispin Hands wrote one of the most beautiful pieces I've ever seen. I'll tell you a quick story. So sure. I, these guys invited me into the studio, and when I walked in, just by timing, um, they were doing the symphony thing to um, a green screen of the performance. So the 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 film wasn't completed. So so they were just looking at it for reference for the scene that they want to do. And I happened to walk in right when it was my scene playing, but they were just watching it. There was no music and no joke. I'm watching it going, I fucking suck. This looks, well, I, I have, that's a terrible performance. What's going on? And then the music started. It was like, I'm awesome. <laughs> and I was like, I love music. It made me so much better. And that's that, that was one of those moments where I thought the score was just absolutely stunning and beautiful. And so that I, we have to give props out to Chris. Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, yeah. We, we were for months together just in his, his studio there. And um, yeah, he was, he was great. From a producing standpoint, it looked like you had pretty big sound stages you had to work with. So how did you kind of uh, find a space? And I guess there was green screen involved too, right? There was a little bit of green screen. <laughs> uh, yeah, we rented out two warehouses in Vancouver that Bobby ended up finding and we just painted all the walls green. We built the sound stage, had I think we bought up all the green screen, chroma green paint in Vancouver, trying to paint all of these walls. And it took about a month, probably, of painting. And yeah, it was, but it, it worked out in the end just because of the nature of the shots that Bobby wanted. We just needed a really large space. Oh, there were two spaces. Oh, we, we were going back and, back, and back, forth, and forth, back, back and forth. Setting up the next set while we were finishing up this one. And I wouldn't recommend that to <laughs> as well. Like if I was to look back and say what were some of the mistakes that were made, that would be one of them. I wouldn't, if I was to do it all over again, I would have rented out a proper green screen studio and built all of our sets in a smaller warehouse and then transported them to the 
proper green screen studio and just pay the daily rate there because yeah. paying like you know 20 30 people on set um union uh, that really adds up and all the electrical and all the, everything that has to go up to set that all up costs so much it would have been just much more efficient and, and cheaper to do it the other way but you live and learn so mm-hmm. uh yeah makeup wise you had a few you had to design a few races for them yeah, so when Bobby and Arun approached me for the project, they actually had some character designs. I think Bobby had um, spoken with someone who had some digital uh, renderings made. So I had some base to go off of, and then we altered and adjusted as per physical restraints <laughs> for actors. Um, and then we, um, uh, one thing that was cool was uh, the slave keeper character and the... Um, the mechanic guy, neither of them had any coloring or anything. Bobby didn't know exactly what he wanted, so he let me play. Well, that's and, because I'm yeah. kind of partially colorblind. So. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, you just do whatever. And like, I'm, I was like, uh, yes, uh, you want them to be blue and orange. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so that was really great that Bobby and everybody trusted me to kind of come up with some ideas. I mean, we did some tests and showed them some stuff. You were the longest hours. You were you were there yeah, like yeah. like four thirty to put on makeup for six hours for yeah, some people. Those were not small makeups, no, <laughs> but they were fantastic. I mean, in our scope, it was interesting because our scope was so big when we started, and then we kind of pared it down, and then we kind of went a little bit happy medium between the two again, and some of that happened kind of real close to filming, so we just had to kind of work with some of the things that we... And made. there were some wonderful creations that you made that didn't make it into the film, as opposed to, like, keeping the story tight, yeah. and so, you know, that, that was, those were like, you know, like torturous moments for me because I was like oh my god they looked yeah. awesome I get it for the story but yeah. she did a lot of work yeah. yeah my team I couldn't have done it without my team it was an amazing group of people um, and uh, we actually ended up doing so we had the four main characters which was the mom and the dad um, the slave keeper and the mechanic but then we had three additional background characters that were fully created on the spot looks and then we actually had at one point had done four children so there were a lot of aliens and then unfortunately they didn't make them but you know Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. I like the texture of the slaves. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're like the lines and all of that. Yeah. Did you base it on anything? Or? Well, that was actually the one that we had uh, more of a full rendering. So Bobby had given me, um, I, I think it was a Swedish yeah. artist. Yeah, Jonas Thornquist. Yeah, so I don't know how, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was based on his sketch and we got permission from him to his design. Yeah. yeah. Were they like full set pieces? That or? one, yeah. so we actually, um, we used the actors' bodies a lot, which was fantastic. Um, we created hands for all of the characters, feet for all the characters, and then we did uh, what's called a cowl, which is basically yeah. kind of shoulders, head, mm-hmm. uh, and then some face pieces. So the, um, the blue aliens, mother, father, they actually had the most restrictions because the, I mean, if you look at them, you can realize that the, the eyes of the alien themselves are a good couple inches above where a human mm-hmm. eye is. So they would have to look through these little tiny holes. And they definitely, they had some long, tough days. But uh, yeah, we did a lot of body painting and had about three artists on each person to get them done. And, mm-hmm. and to get them to, to be comfortable. One yeah. of the things that I really admire of her, about her professionalism is that she assigned makeup people to these people. Yeah. So they could uh, have a good time, they could have all their needs because they're wearing these things for hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a big task to and us. Again, again, you really got to look at the idea of 
this is an indie. There's not a ton of it. Like, this is that. That's why, like, when being on set and being a part of this project, you know, and you know, going starting the fourth season of Van Helsing and having a whole team and a network, um, the, the work that they did and the amount of time and, and the leadership, um, it, it was it was fantastic. And you always got to keep reminding them, like, this is an indie. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's hard for people because when they see the final product and they see the highest quality, they think that our set was running a, it was a union shoot because <laughs> people were hired from the union, but the way it was run, it was fully indie. Yeah. So it was an, an, a beautiful chaos, <laughs> running around and getting things done, going from warehouse to warehouse. It's a testament to, you know, we're all from Vancouver. Vancouver is, is a very, uh, has a, a very amazing indie scene okay. and people wanting to get together and make make projects. So it's a testament to how how the Vancouver is run by, by indie indie filmmakers. And, and the talent. Um, mm -hmm. a, yeah. a, a, a film like this. Mm -hmm. running an indie way without the talent we have on set we haven't mm -hmm. said it would have been impossible every single person was extremely insanely timed well and, and one thing that I think really was awesome is everyone believed in the project and yeah. wanted to create this and so we all worked together and I think that's one of the benefits of it being an indie instead of a full-on union yeah. was we could help each other out yeah. so you know if someone needed something moved you could sort of help with it or if you know you needed help sewing a button on or something you could help and so it really made this a huge collaborative thing and that it was so amazing and special. You know, one of the things I like, uh, George Lucas did it and Ridley Scott did it, was it was a lived-in universe. And what I mean is the ship is not pristine like in 2001. There's little dents here and there. Things don't always work. You might have to kick something once in a while. Was that kind of an inspiration to make that kind of world? And obviously the ship has problems as we see yeah. it. So, I mean, like a lot of other Star Wars fans, I was, when I first saw like the Phantom Menace, um, you know, I was super excited about it. I think it was, what was it, 1999 or something? Mm -hmm. And um, when it came out, I was expecting something completely different, but instead I saw all these like shiny ships and everything. I was expecting like this lived-in world that was really broken down and beat down. And so I wanted to create a film. Like this is, and when I started writing it, this was before um, the first Star Wars came out, the, the, the new Star Wars. Uh, the Force Awakens. The Force, Force Awakens. Yeah, so I felt there was this huge, a lot of fans and a lot of people that were hungry for seeing that kind of world. But by the time I finished, three Star Wars films had come out. You know, so they, so you know, they got a little bit of that. So they, they weren't as hungry, I guess you could say, for that. So yeah, I wanted to make a film that was very gritty, just a lived-in world, just greasy. And that's the kind of, you know, I, I'm hoping this could turn into a TV series or a feature film or something. So I even want to up that a little bit more um, for that. And. Um, but the yeah, detail yeah. in the shipment, right? We all, we talked yeah. about the shipment being a character in the film, and it was really amazing to work with Bobby and the uh, sound team because you're super picky with sound, how it sounds, mm -hmm. the the steps, how it sounded inside the shipment, um, the mm -hmm. fact that we needed to be very authentic about the broken sound of this, because in a way it was mirroring <laughs> this broken man. So yeah. that relationship had to be sort of established. So right. mm -hmm. yeah. from, from the very beginning. Bobby had a very clear vision of how he wanted this universe to look and feel more than anything else. He wanted it to be broken and run down and grimy and dirty as if these as if these people had been living here for thousands of years. I think the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back in particular were our, our biggest points of reference on how we wanted this, just to feel for the 
audience. It's something familiar, mm -hmm. kind of broken, uh, but lived in for sure. Right. There's one scene that resonates. There's no dialogue in the scene. It's when your character is looking in at the shipment and seeing them. And he's just, you can see the wheels are turning inside of him, how he's conflicted. What was it like to shoot that? And did you know you had, like you got it when after the scene was over? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was funny. We never looked at dailies ever. Like <laughs> the, the days were just so long. And But I knew like when we were shooting it, we usually did an average of about four or five takes. Um, but their perform Alex's performances were, were so strong that like he just knew the character so well that I was just confident that that's why we were able to just it just went really well it's because he just understood the character and you know casting is just half of the movie uh, like like we heard last night in the interview so uh, yeah I know it just he just made my job as a first-time director so much you know more uh, not uh, yeah I don't know if easier is the word but just more efficient and uh, he's just very understanding and very patient and knowing that this was my kind of first time so we collaborate collaborated really well in that way if we if, if it was another actor that was like less patient and you know it would have been like a more stressful and I don't think people realize what an amazing job Alex did I mean he's literally standing staring at nothing yeah and in front of a green screen there's most actors at least get something to work yeah. with and he's well, there's 40, 50 crew stare, staring at him, and here he is trying to perform, and he's really got nothing to, nothing to work with. And it was just a testament to his remarkable yeah, performance. We were talking last night, I think I was telling you that um, Alex is a technical actor, mm -hmm. is what I would call a technical actor. He got the role, he gets the role down, that's what I observed. He understands what it is, he's done his emotional digging, and then he's on set, where's the camera? Can he get a call sheet? I'm like, oh, we need to bring one more. <laughs> Get a call sheet for Alex. And Alex will look at the call sheet and would ask, is it a master? Are you going to do a close-up? Where's the camera? So I think that that shows in the film, he brought that technical aspect to his performance. And for us, it was really beautiful to watch. Because on green screen, um, that's an in very important skill to have. And also, he was working with, with Ishana, who brings all that freshness that is super... <laughs> fun with a first-time actress but also she was working with with Alex and Alex really um, helped her to connect with this fantastic world so it was it's a beautiful collaboration to, to watch. And there's just so many things that could have went wrong but it, it yeah. somehow the stars were aligned and everything kind of worked out you know like especially working with Ishana as a first her her first time on set and Alex was super patient with with her and I really thank him for that. Well. Uh, for, for like the, that kind of experience for me and it, it's very simple. Yeah, like I do my script analysis. And, you know, I do the work, mm -hmm. but then honestly, it's like I'm six years old playing cowboys and Indians, <laughs> and I'm picturing okay, we're doing this, we're doing that. Like it, it, it was, uh, it was, it really brought the the childlike kind of enthusiasm out. And then on top of that, um, having someone that hasn't done it before was really refreshing to me because I would have loved some that was there for me and so being able to gel and still keep the father-daughter relationship uh, tangible um, and still and I think that helped the the father-daughter um, scenes is because off-camera we would talk about the scenes and I would help her and so it helped me just as much as it helped her her performance uh, there's something that resonated with me too is and, and where she's in the room painting but you can feel that 
there's something missing in her life that anybody asks, really, not just you know young folks. Is this all there is for me? Isn't there anything more mm -hmm. in in my life? Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's uh, and I thought that resonated with me. I could I could feel it in that scene with her yeah. that she was trying to find out who she was, mm -hmm. but. Is this all there is? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's it's always nice to hear when you know I, you try as a director to portray something and convey a certain emotion, and you know when someone can pick up on that, that that's great to hear. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted that was part of the story that she, you know, she just wanted to go to school, like that was her dream of, you know, being with other kids and playing with other kids. But she's just been on this ship her whole life. So, but then she's also doesn't want her dad to be alone either, right? So. Kind of, she's also conflicted in a way as well. I remember my, when I first saw it, my first reaction was, um, "The story's not over. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's just, in a way, it's just beginning, really." Yeah. So it's like, what happens next? Maybe pirates attack the ship he's on and he gets loose. I don't know. But what's What's really great is, uh, and I, that's an amazing thing. But the the, the characters like the Omari Newton playing um, in the film and Robert Mallet, um, the characters made. Um, you can see that there's a different life coming from that. So Omari Omar, played it so well that you can almost see where he came from and see if you know the lead character will explore that because it was such a resonating character. And then Robert. So I, I love the fact that there was these little pops of people that you could actually think about and follow their story also. And, and again, it's a testament to the casting and, and, and great performers. I mean, it's a short film. That's a lot for, you know, for a 12-minute yeah. film to have all of that, all those layers in it. So that's, you know, that part of what resonated to me. It didn't seem like it was rushed. It didn't seem like... Yes, yeah. but it felt like 12, right? It, it, it goes right short. by. It goes right by. I tried it was 27 minutes. It really resonated, and uh, I just, like I said earlier, you just strip away the sci-fi element. Mm -hmm. It's just a father trying to do right for his daughter. Yeah, and like George Lucas said when he when he made Star Wars, it was it was about family. That's really what Star Wars is about. It's not all about lightsabers and all these like you know battle sequences. That's the, uh, the everything was just supplementary to the kind of the family story, and that's how I, I wanted to port portray this too. The family story was first, and all the visual effects and everything is it's just secondary. And I'm glad you picked up on that. It's a bit of an unsettling ending. Yeah, it's almost bittersweet. Yes, we, we had an original writer who was pushing for the father and daughter to stay together at the end. Mm. But we thought, no, that's that's not how we want the, we want this we want the audience to feel conflicted. That sometimes you, there are consequences to our decisions. If you're faced with a bad choice and an even worse choice, you're still going to have to live with one of those bad choices. And so I thought I thought it was great that Bobby stuck with it and said, no, the the father and daughter have to get separated yeah. in the end. And we just became parents. We have a six month old. Yeah. And one of the things that we're understanding that we did understand when Bobby was doing the stories that as a parent, you never win. <laughs> There's no winning. You can do the best you can, but I mean, everything. That's a, that's a prominent headshake. Oh man. There is, yeah. There is, there is no such thing. But there is such thing as you do the best you can, and if it's well portrayed and well and emotionally explored, then the audience recognizes that and says, yeah, you know, they're separated, but he did the best he could, and you know, and she will do the best she can. And, mm -hmm to make up for that, right? Well, oh, congratulations. It's probably going to be the best adventure of your life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it has already started pretty fast. It is an adventure. Fast and hard. <laughs> it's a marathon, I definitely. <laughs>
But then, uh, what was that line they said, um, to, a father said to his kid, just when you're getting interesting, you have to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, but it's so true. Oh God, so he true. just got a headache. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's next? Obviously Van Helsing, another season. Yeah, yeah, we got another season. I'm producing a film um, while we're finishing up uh, Van Helsing, so I'm going back and forth with that. Um, and a, a big project that I'm doing right now is opening up a uh, multi-million dollar film studio in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is my hometown. And yeah. and it's uh, we're doing an educational facility along with the state-of-the-art facility, so we're really excited about that. Wow, all yeah. right, good for you, man. Yeah. That's great. What about, is it the sequel you're working on? Uh, no, right now I'm just taking it easy, just yeah. trying to recover from, <laughs> from the years. Sure. I'm just enjoying my uh, time off right now. But yeah, no, I've been starting to kind of dabble and think about what the next project could be. Um, I'm just kind of leaf blowing in the wind, going to just see where it lands and whatever kind of happens. Mm -hmm. I, and so there seems to be a couple of opportunities, um, but you know, nothing is finalized yet. But uh, you know, it's just the beginning of the festival, so hopefully. Yeah. Any producing? Mm. Yeah, Project. we're embarking on a on a feature film. It's nice. a post-apocalyptic um, oh, nice. feature film, very different from from our words like ending the world here. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah this yeah. one, and uh, we have another uh, a series that we're working on as well. Nice. We've got our pitch deck ready, we've got our first uh, pilot script ready. So we're just looking to make the next move and see where it yeah. takes us. That's great. Other stories. <laughs> Any interesting makeup coming up? I'm actually working with Alex on Van Helsing. Oh, you are? Yeah, oh. so I'm doing that. I built all the prosthetics for season four. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah mostly awesome. that. So yeah. Well, you did some good work on that too, that's Thank for you. sure. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's going to be some real fun stuff coming up. <laughs> there always is. That's yeah, why it's Van Helsing. <laughs> Six hours being touched and pushed and, and yeah. she's cracking jokes <laughs> smiling so that, that's a good thing that i wanted to add the thing is, she, she's fun at four in the morning when she arrives <laughs> start the makeup and then it's downhill from there uh, <laughs> but I, I found that at 11 p.m after being there all day she still had uh, that vibrant energy, and it was just so lovely. And it was, she was leading the entire team from yeah. the beginning of the day to the end. There's our GOP. Oh, okay. Our well, there he is. We'll, we'll grab you for a, little, a few minutes. Little chat, buddy. This is our uh, cinematographer, Naeem Sutherland. Yeah. Hey, Bobby, how you doing? Nice to see you. Alex, how are you, buddy? Hey, guys. Hello, how are you? Tell me a Nice to meet you. Yeah, right here. Have a seat. Sure. So, since you're here, yes. thank you for, for coming. Um, for really both of you, what kind of uh, color palette were you looking for? I think one thing that's really important for me is color contrast. I always want to find uh, a cold color and a warm color that can complement one another. Something that I think is uh, just important to me. I do it quite a bit of my work. And, um, you know, I think we talked a lot about our, uh, our influences for this movie. And I think, you know, Empire Strikes Back was yeah. something that came up early on. Yeah, th that film really, did, you know, because, it, well, the color contrast that you talk about, they did that really well, you know, with the, the warm oranges and the cold blues and everything mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, um, but in color correction, uh, in the end, we kind of went a little bit more towards um, a minority report, um, a little bit of a wash, what do you call that thing? Yeah, but yeah we, we, we did a little bit of, a, a little bit of maybe a, a slight bleach bypass. I think what we did is we uh, took our warm and cold color contrast base yeah. and kind of um, added bleakness. I, we've, I think, you know, ultimately once the movie was edited and 
so the performances and everything, it felt important, especially on the ship, to find uh, a little more bleakness, a little more desperation, um, and a little more contrast between the ship and the end sequence, I mm -hmm. think, is what we tried to dial up. Yeah. And that's all, what's also remarkable is how closely he shot it compared to the previous. If you watch the previous, it's actually fairly similar. And that was tough to do because Bobby had some pretty interesting <laughs> shots. You're like, oh, how are we going to do this? But Naeem was still able to pull it off and take that vision uh, on yeah. this animated sequence and still. And I think as Naeem, he could probably explain, he has definitely mixed emotions about previous that it can be, you know, a good <laughs> thing and it can be a bad thing as for a DOP. Yeah, I mean, one thing that was great about the previous in this movie is being able to participate. So I was actually hired in like fall 2014. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, and we worked on generating a, a previous sequence. So we actually shot a reference, a shot reference angles uh, uh, when we did the motion capture, which ended up as part of the previous. So it was a collaborative process all the way through. Um, yeah, it was great. Great yeah. to be able to see it. I think it was really important for a movie that uh, had few practical elements. Yeah, I think it's for any filmmaker. I think it's, it's the sooner you could bring in your DOP into the process, the better. You know, as early as you can, then it's more of a collaborative process because you're going to be working together, right, um, oh, yeah. on the film. So then you're you get more aligned. So would you say kind of a technical thing? But it used to be they would use more gels on mm -hmm. set and stuff. Now, because of color correction, is that kind of a dying art a little bit? No, I, well, I think it's I think it's probably up to the individual. I still use a lot of color on set. I still use glass filters in my camera, which people look at me funny when I go to the rental house and say, "Do you have this obscure filter?" And they pull out a box and blow the dust off of it. Um, for for me, it's always both. I like generating an image in camera that's um, you know in line with what I want. Um, you know, in this movie, for instance, we used uh, vintage lenses. We used lenses uh, that were made in the 1960s. Um, uh, you know, I couldn't use filtration in this movie because of the green screen, but I still wanted a little bit of a look in camera. And uh, we did color, we did use colored lights uh, and gels on the day, yeah. And he was pretty specific, because he, he, well, they imagined the world, and they thought, okay, there's going to be a light up here. It's going to be a bit of a color, an orange color on their face, and there'll yeah. be a, a blue light over there. And we set that up all in camera, just so it would be captured on the on the faces of our performers as well. Yeah. Very specific. In fact, in fact, it wasn't one specific gel. The gaffer called it a cocktail because <laughs> it was a couple of different. You know, I couldn't find the exact one, so I combined a few different oranges, and then it was you know needed a little yellow in there, needed this, needed that, so it ended up being kind of three yeah. gels together. And it, even when I was creating the previous, that's one thing I could have done to even enhance it a little bit more because we weren't, I didn't specifically set up lights and define the lights where they were going to be in the previous, but that's something that uh, I could possibly do in the future that would help because in a 3D, uh, in a 3D software package, you know exactly where you set up the lights so you can actually reference that and I think that would have helped even more. If we wow. done that, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, previs has changed the industry so mm -hmm. much. His previs could have entered any short film festival. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. After the after the, this festival, what's the future for the film? Where is it going to be shown? Is it going to go to DVD or VOD or? Yeah, that's uh, a lot of. I think this festival is going to really determine, determine kind of what happens. So, like I said, there's a couple of different 
people we're talking to are ready right now, and we'll see what happens. But and it's great because there's four uh, screenings, so there's four opportunities for people to see the film. Yeah, and the press and industry screening is on Sunday, so we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. Talk to uh, Dust if you haven't oh, already. They, they've already reached out to oh, us. Oh, did they? Yeah, they're really good about that. Yeah. And they, they do a lot of short films. Yeah. They just, they just reached out to me about a new one they just have out. So. Okay. But, uh, yeah. oh, that's okay. good to know. Thanks. Yeah, they, uh, they're they really good. And I actually had the president on my podcast talking about what they were trying to do. And yeah. they're fans. I mean, oh, they're yeah. just fans. Yeah, we, yeah. Got, we got that uh, feeling from their emails that they are, how excited they were for this. Oh, so. yeah. yeah, they really did. Yeah. They, just, they just reached out to me about a new one they just have out. So. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's okay. good to know. Uh, well, this is a really a little gem of a movie that I really enjoyed. Thank you. You know, it really hit. It really because I'm I'm a father. Mm -hmm. My daughter's not young anymore. Well, she's 35, so <laughs> so she's an adult. But uh, I mean, it brought me back a little bit, and the decisions you have to make. Mm -hmm. And I was a single dad for a while, so I kind of you know it was just you know oh. I was I was just seeing her every other weekend and. You know, you, you try to parent that way, and that's not easy. So I, I kind of related to what he was going through, obviously. And, uh, that's an that's a immense compliment. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was cool. But, yeah, that resonated with me. And the other stuff was, uh, was I just like, you built a really nice, cool little world. And that's why, after it ended, I go, hey, I want to, what's going on? I want to see more. Great. Yes, yeah, well, thank you. you can. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all. Special thanks to the Tribeca Film Festival. Follow The Shipment on Twitter, at The Shipment Film. It's a really neat film. I really liked it. As we talked about, it just hit me on an emotional level. And some really good sci-fi visuals. They really did their work on this one. Until next time, this is Tony Tolado.